Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. Hello, Faith Church. Many of you are probably wondering, who is this guy up here? Is he new? So let me introduce myself. My name is Dave. I am the director of Next Steps here at Faith Church. We say frequently that everyone has a next step to take in their spiritual journey, and my job is to help you find that step and then help you take that step. Now, in answer to the question, is he new? Many, many years ago, when my five children were little, my wife and I dragged them to a church we'd never been to before. And we walked in the front door and right away there was a welcome desk. And I think, okay, good. They're going to help me get these kids settled in their classes. And my wife and I can go to the service. So I walk up to the desk and as I approach, the person at the desk says, hi, are you new? And I don't know what it was about that question that set me off, but I'm going to tell you. I'm going to reveal a little bit of myself to you. I'm going to tell you what I said. I said, no, I'm not new. I've been on this planet for decades. <laughs> and I went on to say, this does happen to be the very, very first time I have ever entered this particular establishment. So I don't think they knew what to make of that and to make of me. But in answer to your question, I'm new to Faith Church, but I am not new to life. I'm not new to Christianity and to church, and I'm looking forward to getting to know all of you better. Now, I've already begun to get to know the staff here at Faith Church a bit, and one of the things I've learned about them is that, like me, many of the staff enjoy good food. You, you all with me on this? We enjoy good food, so much so that there's actually a, a special code in an email that gets sent out every now and then. The code, it's in the subject line of the email, it says Temptation Island. As soon as we see that, we know there is food in the mailroom. And we can come to the mailroom and get brownies or cookies or fruit or bagels or whatever happens to be there at that time. So now, imagine with me, if you will, that one day I get this Temptation Island message and I get down there and I'm the first one there. I want to be there because everybody's going to be there and I'm a good teammate, right? And oh yeah, there's food. So, so I get there and there is a heaping platter of my favorite chocolate peanut butter chip cookies right there. Nobody else is here yet and I'm looking around. What do I do? On the one hand, I'd like to scoop up about a dozen of them and, and scarf them down. But I'm a little scared to do that because I am trying to watch what I eat a little bit, trying to be healthy, trying to avoid diabetes long term. I think that's a good thing to do. Also, I don't want to anger and incur the wrath of all my new staff member, friends, teammates. If I eat them all and they don't get any, that's going to be bad news. On the other hand, I don't want to avoid the cookies either, do I? I mean, that would be bad. I'd be missing out on a good thing that has been provided for me. And so probably the right response is to have one or two in moderation, but enjoy the good cookies that have come my way. Now, I think the same thing can often be true in our spiritual experience. I think the fact that there is a, an extreme error on one side, an extreme error on the other side, and we have to chart the middle path is a truth. One of those truths that I want us to lean into today is the goodness of God, the supply of God, the abundance of God for his people. And on one side, there's an extreme which would say, 
God gives good things now. That's right. God does give good blessings to his people. God is good. God is kind. God is loving. That's true. But they mix an error in there, which says I can demand what God gives to me. I can expect a certain thing at a certain time because I did the right thing. That, that, that's an extreme that we would call the, the health and wealth, the prosperity gospel. And, and some of us would rightly push back against that and we'd swing the pendulum so far to the other side that we would say, I'm not sure God has anything good for me right now. All the blessings are future. There's heaven forever. There's reward that I'm storing up in heaven, but I don't have to worry about getting anything good now. This extreme is even in danger of wondering if God actually does care for us, if God actually does love us, if God actually is favorably disposed toward us. Obviously, we want to avoid the extreme of requiring something of God that he didn't promise, and we want to avoid the extreme of of not getting the promises that he has given to us. So we're going to explore that tension this morning as we launch our summer sermon series called More Than Enough, A Study in Abundance. That's what we're going to be looking at throughout this entire summer, answering these types of questions as to, does God really love us? What can we expect from him? What does he do for us? What do I need to do in return for him? As we seek answers for these questions today. We're going to look in Psalm chapter 31. I invite you to open your Bibles with me. If you've got a paper Bible as I'm carrying today, it's right about in the middle. Book of Psalms is pretty big. If you're using your phone or your tablet, just scroll down to about the middle of the table of contents or type it in. Psalms starts with a P. Who saw that coming, right? (sighs) In Psalm 31, verse 19 particularly, we are going to try and answer three questions. We're going to explore these questions of what God offers to us, how we can get it, and how we know for sure that God really is going to answer. Let's pray together and ask God to bless our time. Heavenly Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you also, Lord, for your Holy Spirit who inspired your word and helps us to understand it. We ask now today that your spirit would be guiding my words and guiding our thoughts. Help us to be impacted by your word. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. What does God offer? What good things is God going to give to his people? The best way to answer that question is to see what God has said. So look with me, if you would, Psalm 31, verse 19. It says, how abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. This is the passage of scripture that we're looking at this morning. It's brief, and we're gonna look at the verses around it some, but this is our primary source of word. So let me read that one more time. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. Here, the writer of this song, this psalm, King David, is reflecting on a truth. He's reflecting on what he's observed, that God gives good things to his people. He abundantly provides these good things to his people. And the fact that David is noting this as an observation, it also comes across as something of a promise. This has been true in the past. This will continue to be true in the future. 
And as he gives this promise, he uses the type of literature, the type of poetry that was common in his day. Their poetry didn't rhyme like our poetry does. Their poetry instead was based on what is called parallelism, stating two things, stating one thing in two different ways. And so he lines up two truths as one way of communicating for us. And so notice with me, if you would, what two things God is doing, what God is giving for his people. How abundant are the good things? It says that you have stored up for those who fear you. And then it says that you bestow. So what is God giving? It's abundant good things, first, that are stored up, and second, that are bestowed. Two ways of saying the very same thing. When I think of storing up a present, I think of Christmas. Shopping for someone that you know, someone that you love, and you're finding just that right thing for them, and you purchase it, and you almost can't wait until Christmas gets here so that you get to give it to them. But in the meantime, you've stored it up for that special day, and that day will come. You're not going to hoard it. Once Christmas comes, you're not going to keep it back and say, oh, this was such a perfect gift. I, I need to save it. No, you're going to pour it out. You're going to give it. You're going to bestow it. That word bestow is not a common word for us today, is it? But you kind of get the idea. It means it's given out. God is not stingy, but he is generous to his people. So what is it that David was looking for as he was saying God has stored up and bestowed good things on his people? If we look all the way at the very beginning of Psalm 31, we read in verse 1, it says, In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Notice that the author, David, is looking for safety, shelter, refuge. This is what he is seeking. He needs help in this way. And all throughout what he writes, he's going to be seeking for this thing in particular. But as he does that, he gets to verse 19 that we're looking at and says, God gives those good things. And then verse 20, right afterward, it says, in the shelter of your presence, you hide them. You hide your people. You hide the ones who are getting these good things. Shelter. You hide them from all human intrigues. You keep them safe in your dwelling David was noting that there were good things from God to be received. Now, all throughout the Bible, God promises us many other good things. I suspect that those of us here in the room and those that are watching online and those in the chapel know some of those good things, many of those good things that God has promised. So I, I want us to do something a little bit different. Don't be afraid, but this is part of the whole, we're getting to know each other a little bit here. I want you, if you're online I want you to do what we asked you about already, which is be ready to share in the chat an answer to a question I'm going to give. Those of you in the room, I want you to write down an answer either on paper or in your phone, or if you'd have nothing to record it with, just think about it in your mind. But an answer to a very straightforward question, I'm just going to give you a brief moment to answer this question. What are some good things you know God has promised? What are some good things that you know that God has promised? Just think about that or get it in your mind. And I, part of the reason I want you to write it is so that you can verify if I guess that you've got the right one or not, okay? Now, maybe you're here and you're saying, hey, I'm new, I'm new to all this. I'm not really sure what God has said. I'm just checking things out. Oh, I am so glad that you're here, thrilled. 
We love having you here, and I'm eager to share with you some of those good things that God has promised to you. Okay, that's enough time. Let me take a stab at what I expect that maybe you wrote down. How many of you said God promises to be with us? God promises to be with you. Anybody have that one? Okay, a few, a few. Isaiah 41, do not fear for I am with you or Deuteronomy then quoted in the New Testament. When God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And Jesus, before he ascends into heaven, tells his followers, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay, that's a good promise. How many had the promise that God promises to supply our needs? Anybody? Okay, some, some. Philippians chapter four, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God does promise to provide our needs. Here's one I bet some of you have that God promises eternal life to his followers. Anybody? Yeah, okay, that's a good one. That's a really good one, and you got it written down. John three sixteen, that whoever believes in Jesus will not perish, but have eternal life. Here's one, you can surprise me. I don't know that anybody of you has this one, okay? But I had all week to think about it. Mark chapter 10, Jesus promised his followers. He said, whoever follows me, giving up families and houses and, and, and lands, Whatever you've given up, I'm going to give you back 100 times as much, plus persecution, (laughs) and in the age to come, eternal life. Anybody have that one? No? Okay. Okay. That's all right. Oh, a couple. All right. Very good. Here's another promise from God. Maybe you had this one. John 10, God promises abundant life. And how many of you had that one? Okay, good. A bunch of you. Jesus had just said that the, the thief comes to steal and to destroy. He says, then I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's the wonderful and amazing promise from God. Full life, abundant life, life now and life for all of eternity. As we receive these promises of God, I think we're able to answer that question of what God promises to us. Because we've seen in these promises that there are things for now and there's things for the future. We've seen that there's things that are physical and there are things that are spiritual. And so our answer to what does God offer is that God offers abundant physical and spiritual blessings now and forever. God offers abundant physical and spiritual blessings now and forever. This, these are the good things that God has promised, that God will give to who? That's our next question. Who gets these things? Or to put it perhaps a little bit more selfishly, how can I make sure that I receive the good, abundant things from God? Let me encourage us. That's not a selfish question to ask. That's a smart question, a wise question, because we don't want to miss out on the good things that God has offered. Once again, we return to Psalm 31, 19. And once again, we look for the parallelism, the two ways of saying the same thing. Look for, look for, listen for the two ways of saying who it is that receives these blessings from God. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for who? For those who fear you. That you bestow in the all, that you bestow in the sight of all, specifically on those who take refuge in you. Two ways of saying the same thing. Those who fear you, those who take refuge in you. Both of these are saying that 
whoever fears God, takes refuge in God, these are the ones who receive the abundant physical and spiritual blessings now and forever. These are the people receiving the good promises from God. Now, who are we talking about when we think about those who fear God? Because when I think of fearing God, I think of, about people who saw God in the Old Testament and fell on their face in fear that they were going to die. There's a sense of that when we talk about fearing God, because we do need to remember how grand, how majestic, how awe-inspiring he is. And that helps us to think correctly about ourselves and our relationship to him. Fearing God is having the right understanding of our relationship between us and him, that he is the leader and we are the follower. Fearing God means we are the ones who trust in his promises, trust that he is the one who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that he has, that we could ask or imagine. Fearing God means we see him as a kind and good and generous and loving father a father who cares for his children, a father who cares for us. And when we see God as father, we fear him by following him as a good, faithful child. That's the idea behind fearing God, and it's parallel to taking refuge in God. When I think of taking refuge in something or someone, I, I think of when it rains and you grab an umbrella and stick it over your head. You, you're taking refuge from the rain and you want to get inside where you're going to have even greater refuge from the rain. When we take refuge in God, we recognize that we have problems going on around us, but God is the one who is our help, our supply. He meets our needs. He is the one that we run to. We take refuge in him. And the fact that David is writing this, saying, I need help, means that even though he's saying God is good and gives good things to us, he knows the reality of life, that life is often hard, that difficulties come, that we go through a ton of stuff. And David is very clear about that all throughout the psalm. Let's zip through some of these verses leading up to verse 19 and see that for David, life was not all ice cream and unicorns. It was, it was life. He says in verse 1 near the end, deliver me. In verse 2, he says, come quickly to my rescue. In verse 4, keep me free from the trap that is set for me. In verse 9, he says, I am in distress my eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. In verse 10, my life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction. Verse 13, at the end, they conspire against me and plot to take my life. These are the words of someone who has gone through difficult times in this life. And he gets up to verse 19 and he says, God is good. We can count on him. God is faithful. He is loving. He cares for us. He causes us. He wants us to seek refuge in him. Now, David's problem was refuge and shelter. We go through all sorts of different problems. And other people throughout history have faced various problems throughout life. And we face them rightly when we face them with Christ, with God the Father, trusting in him. But in verse 5, there are some words 
that remind us of another follower of God and what he did, what it meant for him to take refuge in God. If you had asked me a few weeks ago, I would have never guessed that these words came from Psalm 31, but they do. But these words most famously fell instead from the, Lord, from the lips of our Lord Jesus Christ as he hung on the cross. Look with me, verse five. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. Jesus appropriated this language himself while he was on the cross, paying the penalty for our sin, while he was going through some stuff, right? More than we've ever gone through. While he was, while he was bearing the punishment that we deserved. And he cries out to the Father saying, I trust you. I trust you. Was Jesus in the center of God's will? Absolutely. Was he dying? Yes. But God provided for him. God carried him through. God gave him strength so that as the book of Philippians in the New Testament tells us, even though he submitted himself to death humbly, therefore God raised him up. God exalted him to the highest place. God had abundant good things for Jesus. Jesus was trusting in God, in the plan of God, in the path of God, in the instructions of God for him. That's what Jesus was doing. Now, if David was telling us we need to take refuge in God and Jesus lived that out, taking refuge in God, how much more should we also seek our good, the best good from God? by fearing him, by taking refuge in him. We follow the path of our Lord and Savior Jesus when we fear God and take refuge in him. Around here at Faith Church, we like to say frequently that our aim is to find and follow Jesus. That's really just another good way of saying we want to trust God's good plan. We want to live that out in our lives. And so we find Jesus. We trust God's plan when we actually trust in Jesus. The New Testament tells us, the Bible tells us, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Is that your experience? Have you already trusted in Jesus? Are you continuing to trust in him to be in right relationship with God? He has fixed your biggest problem. Do you trust him? Do you follow him? Do you serve him? We, 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 we find Jesus by trusting in him and then we continue to follow him. Again, around here, we like to use our next steps as a way of saying, am I walking that path? These next steps don't necessarily make you saved or not. They're not good works to perform so that you can be right with God, but rather because God has done so much good for us, we want to continue following him. And so we use these steps often in conjunction with others. And so when we gather together to worship the Lord, we're taking that next step. When we gather together in smaller groups, our small groups in community there, we are following Jesus and learning about the Bible and applying it to our lives. When we serve, others serve in the church, we are aiming to follow Jesus. When we give generously, we're saying, I'm following you, Lord, and I trust you. I trust you with my money. I trust that you're gonna provide for my needs. When we sign up and go on a missions opportunity, a service project, a service trip, again, we're following, we're taking those steps in order to follow Jesus as best we can. Oh, God has good things for us 
us being his people who trust him. He offers these good things. They're for his people. Last question, how do I know? How do I know that God will give these good things to me? How can I know for sure that they're coming my way, that I actually am gonna get them, that God isn't gonna look at me and say, nah, haven't been quite good enough. How do I know for sure that God is gonna give these good things to me? Again, we return to Psalm 31, a phrase that I zipped past already, but it says, how abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you. Notice here, that you bestow in the sight of all. God gives his good gifts, not just to us internally. He gives good gifts to us internally, like joy and peace, but he also gives good gifts to those who follow him. He gives these good gifts in the sight of all. You see, God is a good and a generous giver. This is the nature and the character of God. How do I know that he is going to follow through with his promise of giving me the good things that he has offered? I know because it's his character. I know because he's displaying himself to others when he blesses me. That actually encourages me a lot because it means that even if I've screwed things up, that's not the basis of God giving his good gifts to me. The basis is the character of God. The basis is the reputation of God. He is gonna be faithful to his people. He is going to keep his word. He's going to keep his promises. This is how we can know that God gives his good gifts to those who follow him. We know it because God is good and generous, and he shows his generosity by blessing us. What an encouragement. Think of a philanthropist who pays for an entire high school graduating class to go to college. We look at him and say, that was good. That was generous. That was a great use of his money. Think of the person who pays for a family that's struggling financially to get their car fixed and brings them a load of groceries. We say, that was kind. That was good. That was generous. Think of someone who opens their home for foster children. We say, that's, that's good. That's kind. We see something about their nature when we see how they give. And It's the same way with us and God. We see God's nature when he gives, and this is why. This is why we can count on him, because it's not about us, it's about him. It's not about us, it is about him. I like to think of a dad in a swimming pool with his little kid there ready to jump in, and he says, come on in, I will catch you. What does the kid have to do? He has to trust the father. He just trusts his dad. God is a good father, is he not? He is trustworthy. If, a, if we are going to catch our kids and not let them drown, don't you think God is going to catch his kids and not let them drown, not let them be swallowed up with all of life? Oh, because of God's goodness and because of his kindness, we can certainly be encouraged. Here's how Psalm 31 ends. Final words of this chapter. It says, be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Take heart, be encouraged because you hope in the Lord, because you trust in the Lord. He is that firm foundation. And so as we go through the troubles and the trials of this life, we can be encouraged. 
We're encouraged that God is good. God is generous. He is favorably disposed to us. He is rich. He is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we could ask or imagine. Oh, I trust that as we look at Psalm 31, our pendulum begins to swing, not staying way up here saying, I can demand something from God. We saw that David himself knew that life was hard. But at the same time, our pendulum shouldn't swing so far back to the other direction that says, you know what? God doesn't have anything good for me. God doesn't care about me right now. I need to be so good. And then maybe if I'm good enough, I'll get some good things from God. Neither of those is where the pendulum needs to land. It needs to land in the middle where we see the goodness of God. We rejoice in the goodness of God. We relax in the goodness of God. We trust the goodness of God. We have access to God's abundance. Let's pray. Heavenly Lord, thank you again that you are good and you do good things for your people. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your love. Thank you for Jesus, the one that you worked through, your very son, God himself who came and lived and died and rose and ascended. Thank you for Jesus and what he's done for us. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you for the good gifts that you give to your people in the here and now. Help us, Lord, to rest in these things. Help us to enjoy these good things. Help us as we make our way through the troubles that we face this week that we would trust you. Help us to continue to count on you and to rely on you even as we go through the most difficult times in our lives. Thank you for your goodness. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.